Let's be honest, the Carolina Panthers have a lot to get right this offseason if they want to be competitive in 2024 and avoid being the laughing stock of the league. On today's show, I'm going to tell them exactly what they need to do this offseason to turn things around on this episode of Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with every Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me. Julian Council on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every Friday throughout the offseason, I'll be answering your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me. But first, follow me on Twitter, at Julian Council, to get your questions in for this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code locked on to get $20 off your order. That's J A S E medical.com. All right, here we are. The 2024 offseason. A week ago, the Carolina Panthers fired their general manager, Scott Fitter. Seven weeks ago, they fired their head coach, Frank Reich, and they're currently interviewing both head coach and general manager candidates. So hopefully, turn things around here in Carolina, but that's only two things they have to do this offseason for this team to not be 2-15 and 15 again in 2024, like a lot, and I mean a lot, needs to turn around here this offseason for the Panthers to even be remotely competitive. I, I hate to say that, don't want to be negative, but it's just the truth. Panthers probably aren't going to be a team vying for a playoff spot or a division title in 2024. But who knows? It's the NFC South. Anything is possible. Any given Sunday, I understand all that. On today's show, let me provide you with my off-season to-do list for the Carolina Panthers. Been doing this the last couple of off-seasons, doing it again today on the show. And this is going to be a springboard for some other conversations that we'll have throughout the whole hiring process and until we really get to March, where I'll break down the offensive line, what to do there, wide receivers, some other position groups as we evaluate them from what they did this past season and then what the Panthers need to do this off-season. But just broadly, I'm going to discuss what I think the Carolina Panthers really need to do this off-season to just kind of get things headed in the right direction. So starting off with point number one, hire a general manager. I would like the Carolina Panthers to do that first. I talked about it on yesterday's show. I understand yesterday's show was probably a tough listen as I was completely zonked out on meds. I still am. You can hear how congested I am right now. I'm getting better. I feel better. I'm still sweating a lot like the light there in front of me it's very hot and it's not helping it's hot on a normal day but when I feel the way I feel right now it's not great but it's okay I'll make it through I know you're not worried anyways but all the people who are worried thank you I love you thanks for listening and watching the show on YouTube um but either way they're not gonna I think it looks like they're gonna hire a head coach I was reading ESPN.com they were trying to project who would be the next head coach for all the 
teams out there that need to have openings. And they think Brian Callahan, the OC there in Cincinnati, would be here in Carolina. But they also said they weren't really sure because it's really hard to project who wants to take this job. Um, but one of the things they did say was it looks like the Panthers want to hire a head coach first. And Mike Kay, our friend of the Charlotte Observer, really wouldn't answer I guess he couldn't give us a clear answer of what they are going to do. Like, are they going to hire a senior vice president then have that person bring in the head coach and general manager? Or are they going to go head coach and then have that person be in a discussion to bring in a head, bring in a general manager and a senior vice president of football operations? I'm of the opinion that the Carolina Panthers' other big problem, other than the owner himself, David Tepper, is that the roster stinks, y'all. And they've done a terrible job when it comes to free agency signings when it comes to the draft and just the overall evaluation of players they got to fix the scouting and player evaluation side really more than they need to fix the whole like coaching side of things like they had a good enough coach in Steve Wilkes to let him walk out the door I'm sure Frank Reich would have been a little better if the players were better but that wasn't the case I don't think head coach is the biggest problem in Carolina it's David Tepper but then after that it's the roster and how they've gone about bringing these players. So that's why I believe they should bring in a general manager first. Went over that yesterday, but there is a short little blurb for you. But as far as general manager candidates, they have requested to speak to Brandon Brown, the Giants assistant general manager. They're trying to talk to Mike Disner, the Lions COO. It would make sense to be potentially the senior VP here in Carolina. Ed Dodds, the Colts assistant general manager who interviewed for the job a couple years ago, interviewed on Sunday Mike Greenberg. Not that one, but the one of the Buccaneers. He is assistant general manager. He has been requested as well. Alec Hallaby of the Eagles. He is their Assistant General Manager, he interviewed on Friday. Kai Harley, the Saints Vice President of Football Administration, has been requested. Champ Kelly, the Raiders Interim General Manager, interviewed last Thursday. Nick Mateo, the Ravens Vice President of Football Administration, interviewed this Monday. Dan Morgan, Panthers Assistant General Manager, is set to interview. Same with Samir Suleiman, the Panthers Vice President of Football Administration. Those are the two internal candidates here. And then Brant Tillis, the Chiefs Vice President of Football Operations, interviewed on Monday. Those are the candidates I would I'd love to see a guy like Hallaby, uh, Brant Tillis as well, Nick Mateo, all three of those guys coming from winning organizations think that would make sense. They have the analytical background, something that David Tepper certainly wants to see. Having those guys and figuring out the scouting side of things with probably a different uh, supporting caster in the front office probably makes the most sense for the Carolina Panthers, but there's still this possibility that Dan Morgan sticks around. Now, the second thing they need to do before they move on to the rest of the offseason is, well, hire a head coach. I believe it's going to be the first thing because David Tapper wants his man, and I believe he's going to have to be patient. He's going to have to be patient because a couple of these guys on the list haven't interviewed yet, and they're also interviewing other places, and they can't start interviewing in person until Monday upcoming here. So it's a process the NFL is trying to slow down. But looking at the candidates, Brian Callahan, Bengals offensive coordinator, is set to interview on Thursday. Dave Canales, he is the Bucks OC. He has not interviewed here in Carolina just yet. Ajero Averro, the Carolina Panthers defense coordinator, interviewed last Thursday. He's also interviewed in Atlanta. He's been requested out there in Seattle. He's going to have options. Uh, ben Johnson, the Lions offense coordinator, will be interviewing virtually on Friday here in Carolina. Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, and Todd Munkin, the Ravens offensive coordinator, both interviewed virtually last Thursday. Raheem Morris, the Rams defensive coordinator, interviewed on Wednesday here in Carolina virtually. Dan Quinn also interviewed virtually on Wednesday. He's a Cowboys D.C. 
Bobby Slowick, the Texans OC, is not doing interviews right now. He said at his press conference on Wednesday that he's focused on the playoffs. So assuming, which I think is going to happen, the uh, Texans lose on Saturday to the Ravens, then he'll start interviewing, which you can start doing those in person. So we'll see how that works out. Frank Smith, the Dolphins offense coordinator, interviewed on Tuesday virtually. Then Chris Tabor, the Panthers interim head coach and special teams coordinator, interviewed last Wednesday. Quick note, Jero Vero and Chris Tabor have both been requested to interview for coordinator positions elsewhere. Uh, Vero down there in Jacksonville, Tabor up there in New York Giants, and both were blocked. Now, Tim Lukabu, who's the outside linebackers coach here in Carolina, he's actually interviewing for a D.C. job up there in New England. So it appears that if they're going to interview for you can't block also. You're not allowed to block people from interviewing for a promotion. But if it's a lateral gig, then you can block it. And that's exactly what David Tepper is doing right now here in Carolina. So we'll see how all that works out. But right now, those are the candidates. Brian Callahan, again, that's who ESPN.com believes will be the next Carolina Panthers head coach, even though it's hard to say whether that will be the case. I've seen some betting odds that have favored some other candidates. Frank Smith, actually, the Dolphins had the best odds currently, according to one of the betting uh, sites out there. So that's the rundown. So first hire a general manager, but probably going to end up hiring a head coach first, didn't get the GM. Those are the first two things Carolina Panthers Panthers need to do before they can head into any of the other portion of the offseason, which we'll talk about here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased on your life. So today, I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. And for me personally, I'm not happy about being sick. Didn't have power for a large part of the afternoon. Thanks a lot to my apartment complex. That's got me pretty upset. But you know what? I'll move on. I'll be okay. Therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team, and it's important to get those things off your chest every once in a while. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. So the Carolina Panthers first need to hire a GM, then a head coach, or vice versa, probably going to be head coach, then GM. Either way, they need to do that before we can really have a conversation, which we're going to do anyways, about anything else happening. And a lot of people are going to ask me on the mailbag, oh, hey, what should the Carolina Panthers do about this player and that player? Should they go after this person and that person? Well, I don't know who's going to coach the team. I also don't know who's going to be the GM, who's going to be scouting the players, trading for the players, and doing that whole th- that whole deal. So until I really have those answers, I can't really answer the rest of the questions that you have. But I can tell you what I think they should do whenever Brian Callahan or Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald take over the job, or if it's Alec Halibi or uh, Nick Mateo, Dan Morgan take over the job as GM. I can tell you right now what I think they should do, and I think the first thing they need to do is – Franchise tag Brian Burns. I know what you're saying. Brian Burns. Oh, my God. This guy wanted $30 million a year, according to ESPN.com. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. 
Seems pretty outrageous, but a guy who was coming off of a second straight Pro Bowl, 12 and a half sacks, the only legitimate edge rusher on the team. He had also seen his team have multiple times to trade him away, but decided at the trade deadline back in 2022 that they didn't want a first, not no, not one first round, but two first round picks and a third round pick from the Rams. And also when they had a chance to trade for Bryce Young, which they did, they didn't get rid of him. So he looked at all that and said, man, yeah, I got no leverage. I'm going to stay to hold it. Now, the Carolina Panthers called his bluff, knew that Brian Burns, too much of a team guy, uh, if that's what you want to call it, uh, to not go out there and not play. He got went out there, and he didn't have the greatest of seasons. Had eight sacks, 16 tackles for loss, but he did have a 75.2 pass rushing grade, according to Pro Football Focus. The Panthers ranked dead last in the league with 27 sacks. Burns, again, had eight of those. That's 30% of the sacks this season. They had the third worst pressure percentage in the league at 17.2. Not good. And when you look at the current roster of guys that are under contract heading into 2024, DJ Johnson and Amari Barno and Echo Leota combined for a grand total of zero goose egg sacks in 2024. DJ Johnson, the 25-year-old project at edge rusher, had a 53.3 grade, according to Pro Football Focus. Amari Barno, 58.0. Echo Leota, who was the undrafted free agent, not like things were expected of him. Better grade, 59.3, which demonstrates why I'm not that concerned about who coaches the team, because the person bringing the players has done a terrible job at it when your draft picks are performing worse than the guys you signed literally off the street okay cool so there's that but look at the franchise tag numbers these are important is Brian Burns going to be paid as a defensive end or as a linebacker? Looking at the Carolina Panthers website, he's listed as an outside linebacker. In this scheme, he is an outside linebacker. Technically, he's an edge rusher, but they don't really have an edge rusher defined franchise tag number. So if he's defensive end, it's $20.2 million. If he's a linebacker, it's $27.7 million. If I'm Brian Burns, I'm saying I'm a linebacker. If I'm the Carolina Panthers, I'm saying you're a defensive end. Either way, the Panthers still don't have leverage here. Burns may have lost some of that leverage if he wanted the 30 mil. I don't think he's really worth it. Now, hell, if that's what he believes is worth, then try and get your money, man, especially knowing how the league operates. And as soon as they don't think you are good enough and worth it, they are going to cut you. So get all the money you can while you can. So I'm on Team Burns. I'm with the millionaires, not the billionaires. Anyone who is with the billionaires is a freaking weirdo and loser and will never understand why that is ever something that you want to be. Because if you're siding with David Tepper, what is going on with your head? Uh, But you're going to say, no, I'm siding with the GM. No, you're siding with the owner. That's who you're siding with. Okay, so Brian Burns, you got to tag him. There's no other edge rushers. Your Your pass rush is terrible anyways. Bring that guy back. The other guy you need to bring back to help out your pass rush, but also just because he's a freaking Tasmanian devil is Frankie Louvu. Resign that man. Again, gonna say this. This is Frankie Louvu's time to get paid. This is the time for him to get his money. I want him to stay in Carolina, but I want him to go out there and get paid more than I want him to be a Carolina Panther because I'm player first. I'm not for the team. I want the team to be good. I want him to stay here, but I want Louvu to get paid. The Panthers don't want to do it. Then go get your money elsewhere where you're probably going to win more games anyways unless you're going to like Arizona or I don't know. But either way, 
Frankie Louvu, 13th rated linebacker this year, according to Pro Football Focus. That's out of 83 linebackers. He had a 78.5 overall grade, a 74.0 run defense grade, and an elite 90.1 pass rush grade, top among all linebackers in the NFL. Had a 64.9 pass coverage grade this season. So not great, not great in coverage, but when he's going out there off ball, just running with his hair on fire to get after the, the passer, we're just playing that off-ball linebacker spot going after the run. He's fantastic. Spot track, the place for contracts, has his market value set at four years, $44.7 million. That's an average of $11.1 million per season. The compared players uh, to Frankie Louver or Roquan Smith, who signed a $100 million contract or $20 million per year. And this is a wide range. This was insane to me. I don't think he's worth $100 million, by the way, Frankie Louvu. Uh Devondre Campbell, he is on a $10 million dollar per year deal it's a 50 million dollar year 50 million dollar deal but 10 years 10 million per year you got Jawan Bentley 6.7 million Alex Andaloni 6.1 million the calculated value when you add in those comparative players is four years 40 million so 10.2 million I'm good with that and really when you look at it it's a two-year contract probably like 20 223 guaranteed for Frankie Louvu. That's those first two years. You give him the signing bonus. I'm good with that. I think Frankie Louvu coming back next season. Shaq Thompson's under contract. I think it makes sense to keep him around. That can keep your defense, especially if Jero Vero's back, operating where it needs to be. And when Shaq comes back to play at off-ball linebacker, Frankie Louvu, what he does best is get after the passer, add Brian Burns back, then maybe find some other guys who can actually get after the passer, and your pass rush is in a better spot than, of course, it was this season. So re-signing Frankie Louvu, that should be the Carolina Panthers' top priority, um, aside from, of course, something else I'm going to talk about down the line uh, in free agency. But as far as the defensive side of the ball goes, yeah, getting that guy to stay here, that's what they should want to do. But I want to get Frankie. I want to get him paid. The Panthers want to pay him. Go get your money elsewhere, Frankie. And we can all just shake our heads at this organization. This one's going to surprise you. But if you listen to the player after the Panthers season ended, it sounds like he wants out. Trade Adam Thielen. Yeah, it's it's a tough proposition for me as well, y'all. 103 receptions, 1,014 yards, only four touchdowns. No one, not a single person could have expected that from Adam Thielen. I'm sure there's someone out there, I guess his kids, Adam Thielen, his wife, some fans back there in Minnesota, the craziest Panther fan you knew who thought that Adam Thielen was going to put up 100 receptions and 1,000 yards as a Panther at age 33 in the National Football League. Did not see that happening. But man, he's shown at the very least he can be a serviceable to like pretty solid third receiver for a contender out there. The Carolina Panthers are not a contender, which is why Adam Thielen was their de facto number one. He averaged 2.9 yards of separation, just below the league average of 2.95, had the 11th best catch percentage in the league at 75.18, but a league worst average yards after the catch above expectation at minus 1.1, meaning when he got the ball, didn't do anything with it, would lose yards of anything. And that's old age. That's also not getting that much separation and just being the only guy that defense has had to focus on when it came to Carolina Panthers receivers this season. Thielen's still got some juice, and he sounds like someone who said, I ain't getting any younger. I came here because I thought this year we get to the playoffs, and then the next year we go um, deep in the playoffs, we go to a Super Bowl. I, I, <laughs> I don't know who the hell sold him that. 
That is insane, Adam. Insane. Like, I thought it was crazy. I mean, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team this year. But, man, that's crazy to think that that's what he believed coming here to Carolina. Hey, he's a competitor. You got to believe in something. The Carolina Panthers still believed in him. Didn't seem like a lot of teams out there in the league wanted him. But when you really listen to it now after enduring that season, wow, 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 wow. Okay, so looking at the trade possibilities, pre-June 1 doesn't really help the Carolina Panthers that much. Uh, they would have to take on $6.6 million of dead cap. They would save $3.2 million. Not super helpful. Post-June 1 is a little bit better. They would split the dead cap between 24 and 25. 1.6 and 24, $5 million in 25. Then they get $8.2 million in salary cap space. I'm not really concerned about cap space. I'm concerned about the Panthers having playmakers and guys Bryce Young could throw the ball to, which I know is concerning when it comes to this conversation. But hold on. Just stick there with me for a moment because I'm going to explain myself here momentarily. Just have some patience. But getting rid of Adam Thielen... It's probably the best thing for him, and honestly, long-term for the Panthers, he's just not going to be here. Like It was a two-year deal anyways, and now that the coaching staff that brought him in is gone, and clearly this guy does not sound like he wants to waste one of the final years, maybe the final year of his career, playing for one of the worst football teams in the NFL, let him free. And I think it's possible that you can get a solid pick for him. Maybe it's, it's going to be a day three pick, but is it possible you could get a fifth-round conditional pick depend uh, with for Adam Thielen like on a condition like he plays a certain amount of snaps gets a certain amount of production that you're able to get that up to a fourth rounder or something like that or is it a sixth that could turn into a fifth round like I feel like there's some compensation what the Carolina Panthers need are more draft picks they need a 34 year old wide receiver yes it helps Bryce Young, I understand that, but they need some draft picks, and for a player who's not going to be sticking around for the long term and clearly wants to go somewhere where he can win, I think it's the best for Thielen and for the organization to move on and then see what they can use uh, that draft compensation for. But here's the other thing they need to care the Lion Panthers need to do when you talk about getting rid of Adam Thielen. Whether they keep him or not, they need to find a way this free agency to acquire number one wide receiver. And it's probably going to mean parting ways to draft capital. So if you get rid of Thielen, get some draft capital because you're going to have to probably give up some draft capital to get your number one receiver in like a T. Higgins. I do not see the Bengals you're letting him walk for nothing. It would be foolish. You tag him and you trade him. Same thing with the Colts and Michael Pittman. You tag him and you trade him. Same thing with the Jags and Calvin Ridley. Now, their situation is a little bit more complicated because if they sign him to a deal, I believe they got to give up a second-round pick to the Falcons. And if they don't, then they still have to give up a third-round pick. So what exactly do they want to do there? Do they want to sign him, then be able to trade him so they can kind of um, nullify the draft pick situation that they have there with that trade? We'll see how it all works out. But there are guys to be had out there. T. Higgins is the one I'm looking at. If Brian Callahan comes here, then absolutely you would think that's the top target for the Carolina Panthers. And I would love to have T. Higgins and then have Thielen around still and then draft the receiver because I don't believe in Mingo at all. Uh, but I think that they probably need to look at trading Thielen, get some compensation there because they're going to need to use it in order to probably get a T. Higgins this offseason. And then what do they also need to do as far as wide receivers go? And there'll be a full show on this, more breakdown, draft a wide receiver. Dane Brugler of The Athletic had him on the show prior to last year's draft. He came up with a two-round mock draft on Wednesday 
And these are the names of wide receivers that he had selected in the second round. Troy Franklin out of Oregon, A.D. Mitchell out of Texas by way of Georgia. Actually had him taking uh, to the Carolina Panthers at 33. Jalen Polk from Washington, Ladd McConkey uh, from Georgia, Xavier Worthy from Texas, Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky. All those guys were listed in the second round. I would love Troy Franklin. Big A.D. Mitchell fan. Apparently scouts are concerned about his route running and his polish probably want to stay away from that just knowing that that was the issue that you had also with Mingo but A.D. Mitchell actually made plays in college he had a ton of touchdowns in the playoff I get it that Mingo didn't play for a team that ever gonna go to well I guess they will now because it's a 12-team playoff but the program was never good enough to get to the 14 playoff and Ole Miss but it wasn't like he was making plays A.D. Mitchell was making plays on the biggest stage of college football I like him Polk love him McConkey. I mean, I could work with that for sure, especially as like a Thielen replacement worthy. I'm going to pass there. And honestly, didn't watch enough Malachi Corey to have an opinion on him. But there is receivers to be had. So that's where I'm looking at as far as some of the re-signing and some of the moves that they need to make in free agency. Some other things that the Carolina Panthers need to do. And one of them, well, you know what it is. And we'll get to it here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less under projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season finally here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the special league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can take LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Price picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy game play, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that make Price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 that's pricepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to 100 i know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life but can we talk just for a minute about preparing for real life according to the fda pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade this is scary i can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if you or one of your loved ones got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed thankfully we'll be okay because of jace medical the jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections among others. This stuff could happen to any of us and thankfully for me I've been using some of the stuff I got from Jace Medical to help me feel better when doing the show today. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. I have a few more things I think the Carolina Panthers need to do this offseason in order to fix, you know, the whole Panthers deal, what we have here with the team not being very good. It's going to take some time. I don't think it's going to be changed in an offseason. That's what the team's been trying to do. That's kind of the problem we've had here is every single offseason, they try to patch holes of this bad free agent and then this bad draft pick who's a project. They, they keep trying to do this. They need to take a more measured approach and just take things a little bit slower. And I know there's a rush. 
You want to win games. We wait since 2017 to go see them uh, go to the playoffs. I've only done 14 winning podcasts here. I don't love it, but the team has an opportunity to be better. We'll see. All right, what they need to do, and I don't really know about this one. They got to figure a way out of these contracts for Miles Sanders and Hayden Hurst. Neither one of these guys lived up to what we hoped they would be. Hayden Hurst lost his job. Tommy Trimble became tight end one. Now, new coaching staff, new GM, things could change. But we saw with Hayden Hurst that he just did not provide as much as Tommy Trimble, who could have a future long-term here in Carolina. Looking at Hayden Hurst, that's spot track, his contract. And if they want to release him, they can't really do that pre-June 1. They would have $9.8 million of dead cap. They would only save $193,000 in salary cap space. Then when it comes to a post-June 1 release, that's $7 million, $7.8 rather, in dead cap. And then that's $2 million in 2025, then $2.2 million. So not enough savings. If they do trade him uh, pre-June 1, they save $5.9 million. If they if they trade him post-June 1, it's $8 million. But who's making that deal? It's one of those things where the Carolina Panthers are going to have to the Panthers are going to have to throw in some extra incentives, I would feel like, to get that deal done. So maybe that's what they do. Kind of similar case of Miles Sanders. The out in his contract is after next season. So if you release him pre-June 1, you will have $8.4 million dead cap space for the Carolina Panthers. Then cap savings, they they lose $750,000. They don't even save any money at all. Then post-June 1 release, split up the dead cap, it's 5.4 in 24, 2.9 in 25. Then they save $2.2 million. Now looking at them, if you trade them pre-June 1, $3.2 million, post-June 1, $6.2 million. But someone with Hayden Hurst, who is making that deal? For Hurst, it's possible that someone wants to make that deal with him. Uh, but for Sanders, being a running back, seeing how he performed this year, he's clearly on a decline or has definitely declined. I don't know how you make that deal, and you're not really helping yourself that much if you cut him. It has to be post-June 1. I don't want to stack up a ton of money dead cap-wise for the future, but considering you're eating most of that this offseason for both of them, if you have it as a post-June 1 designation, then okay, do it. But they got to find a way out of those deals because Sanders is not the top back here in Carolina. That's Chuba Hubbard. I would also think that they should go out there and just draft the running back. They can do that in later rounds. Then with Hayden Hurst, him and Ian Thomas, I bet, bet probably both out of the um, – both on their way out the door. I don't know what the Panthers are going to do at tight end. Maybe they need to keep him just because it's a numbers game there. But Miles Sanders, really not much of a use for him now that Reich's gone, especially Deuce Staley's gone. It would be nice to find a way to reduce those deals or just flat out get out of those deals heading into free agency. Um, and this is probably, the, to a lot of people, the biggest one. They got to fix the offensive line. Scott Fitterer and the organization felt like they had done that. And I agreed with them based off of what we saw, especially in the final 12 games of the 22 season when Ike Aquanu, Brady Christensen, Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corbett, and Taylor Moten were all freaking road graders and had this team with an opportunity to win the NFC South there late in the season. They all came back 
Now, Bradley Bozeman, rather, excuse me, Brady Christensen, he was coming off an injury, so was Austin Corbett. We knew Corbett was going to be out for some time, and there was a lot of concern of whether he would be the same guy we saw in 2022 when he was arguably the team's best offensive lineman. Of course, when he came back for those four games, he struggled. Brady Christensen only lasted one game where his numbers particularly weren't that great, and we saw what happened with Icky, with Bradley, and really, Taylor Moten was the same guy we've seen every year his time here in Carolina. Now, Icky Aquanu. That's a hot button topic. ESPN.com, Dave Newton to put these numbers out there that their analytics and NFL next gen stats had him with 18 sacks. I think it would have been 19 counting the final sack he had there in that final game on that Sunday. Looking at Pro Football Focus, they only count him for 11 sacks. Still is not great. It's the third most allowed in the NFL. He is the 39th graded offensive tackle. Now it's out of 83. And mind you, Taylor Moten was 22nd. So not nearly as bad according to Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus, as fans believe he was. He had a 62.3 pass blocking grade. Not ideal, but a 77.0 run blocking grade, which kind of aligns with what a lot of the scouts felt heading into the draft, that he was better suited for a guard, that he could be a serviceable tackle. And he believes still that he's a tackle. He's like, I'm a tackle. That's what I want to play. And for the Carolina Panthers' sake, they really need him to be a tackle because I just don't think that this is a great market for them free agency-wise to go get a left tackle. And then with the draft... They're not necessarily in position to go out there and find someone to immediately start there. But we'll see how it pans out. I don't even know if Ike Quano is necessarily their biggest problem. Like Bradley Bozeman, he did not benefit from the seven left guards and the eight right guards that were uh, next to him all season long. But he was not great at all. 62.2 overall grade. Had a 48.9 pass blocking grade, which is worse than Aquanu's. A 67.5 run blocking grade. He allowed eight sacks, the most among centers. A lot of heat for Icky. And I think it's pretty obvious to see because you see guys coming off the edge. But the interior was a problem all season long. We knew because of the injuries with the guards. But Bradley Bozeman did not play well. And Bradley Bozeman was a guy who I said last year was a priority free agent signing for the Carolina Panthers. They brought him in after he played well for them in 22. They kept him here in Carolina. And, man, he did not play well. And, again, I think the guards situation, not having continuity there, hurt him. But he didn't help himself. And I feel like the Panthers are in a position now where they should go out there and get a center. I would love to get from Oregon, who probably won't be there at 33. And we'll have to see what happens if free agency before even really making any sort of proclamations on proclamations on who should be the the pick at 33. I need to see how free agency goes. I need to see who the head coach and GM are first anyways to really be able to decide what the Panthers need to do at that spot. Right now, yes, you think it's receiver, but man, I'm kind of leaning on center over receiver right now because that's such a vital position. They touch the ball every down just like a quarterback. And they're so key when it comes to protections and communication and all of that. And the Panthers, they've been trying to find someone since Ryan Khalil retired. And we're going to have another situation like we've had at left tackle since Jordan Gross retired where it's just a revolving door at that position. I hope not. I want Nikki to figure it out. But it feels like we're getting to that spot where Bradley uh, Bozeman in the center position. They tried Paradis. That didn't work out. They're trying Elf line. That was terrible. Now Bozeman worked out briefly. Now seems like they need to change it up. They got to figure that out. But they want to move Icky to guard, then, well, what are you going to do at the center, at the um, guard positions? Are you going to keep Austin Corbin around? Because now he's coming off of back to back offseason knee surgeries in ACL last year and MCL this year, less significant. But the coaching staff, 
Well, the coaching that he brought him, it brought him in is long gone, but his offensive line coach may be gone now. And then, of course, the general manager that brought him in, he's gone. So what does the new GM and head coach want to do? They want to bring back an aging guard who's a good player when healthy, coming off of back-to-back knee surgeries in the same knee. And I don't know. I don't know. And you look at him post-June 1st, release a trade, uh, $3.8 million dead cap hit in 24, $7.7 million gap, dead cap hit in 2025, save $6.2 million in cap savings in 2024. I don't know if it makes the offensive line better, but it is an option if you want to clear things up. And the backups, that's the thing too. The backups haven't been great. The Panthers have tried to draft guys on the offensive line year after year after year. Cade Mays, he was not great, had the fifty had a fifty eight point three overall grade, forty three point oh pass blocking grade, seventy one point two run blocking grade. That was good. Chandler Zavala was brutal. I thought that man was trying to get somebody killed. Twenty six point two overall grade, seven point one pass blocking grade, forty one point five run blocking grade. Absolutely brutal, unplayable. Need better depth there in the interior. Need to figure out what they want to do position wise with those guys. Your starters are all under contract. The two guys I just mentioned, Mays and Zavala earned a contract. That is not a simple thing to figure out. And also Taylor Moten, $29.7 million. That's his cap hit this season. Thank you, Scott Bitter, for the back-to-back restructures after extending Taylor Moten ahead of that 2021 season. Just insanity. All right, here we go. One last thing I want to see the Carolina Panthers do this offseason. It's really two. They got to sign a veteran cornerback and draft a veteran cornerback. Right now, J.C. Horn, Dante Jackson, Deshaun Jameson, DiCaprio Boodle, Lamar Jackson, and A.J. Parker are the cornerbacks currently under contract for next season. So looking at it, it's really Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn, who we know have had issues staying healthy. Now, Dante played and started in 16 games this season. Way to go for him to buck that trend. And I thought overall... He was a solid player for the Panthers. J.C. Horn missed a ton of time again. You cannot exercise a fifth-year option, especially now that Fitter is gone. Jamison had a step-in spot duty. Boodle, same thing. But we never saw Lamar Jackson or A.J. Parker. And obviously, the C.A. Henderson trade did not work out. And depending on how things pan out with whether Rogero Vero stays, maybe you bring back Troy Hill. Maybe you bring back a Shaquille Griffin. That is all dependent upon their potential roles in Carolina next season and who the D.C. and what the scheme is going to be. Now, Dante Jackson is carrying the second largest cap number for the Carolina Panthers in 24 at $15.7 million. I don't think he's worth that much as far as cap space goes. So you don't want to see any restructures, but they could consider, depending on what they want to do, whoever the coaching staff is, what the defensive coaching staff looks like and all that, they can consider letting him go. They want to trade or release him pre-June 1. That's a $9.7 million dead cap hit, and they save $5.9 million in cap space, but then have to find another starting corner. If they want to get rid of him post-June 1, trade or release, it's $5.1 million in 2024 as far as dead cap, 4.5 in 2025 dead cap. Then $10.5 million they save uh, when it comes to salary cap in 2024. Again, we need to go out there and find a new starting corner. So that's something to look at, but they need to bring in another veteran to pair with Horn and Jackson. And then I just think with the future, knowing that Jackson's contract's coming up at the end of next season, going out there and finding somebody who can be a starter, whether it's opposite of J.C. Horn or in place of those guys down the road, that's going to be a a significant need for the Panthers because there are some serious questions long-term as far as the viability and availability of J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson in Carolina, especially knowing that the C.J. Henderson trade didn't work out. Just not anyone you can say for sure who will be here, say, come 25. 
as, well, I guess 26, as your starting corner here in Carolina. So that's something to look out for. But that's my offseason to-do list for the Carolina Panthers. At points throughout the offseason, I will update it. We'll talk more about it. Again, I want to get more in-depth on some certain position groups like linebacker, like wide receiver, like the offensive line and what to do with them as we review the 2023 season that was what to do this offseason. But that is my offseason to-do list for the Carolina Panthers. And that's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where I will be back with you on Friday to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I will talk to you all on Thursday.